Thank you for tuning in to the City Light West Council Bluff Sermon Podcast. We are a church that exists to multiply disciples and churches that is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org or follow us on Facebook at City Light West Council Bluffs and Instagram at City Light West CB. Thanks, Ken. Good morning, City Light. How we doing? Good, good. My name is Chuck, as Kenan mentioned, and uh, I get to be part of planting this church with you guys. You know, um, Jesus is building his church on the west end of Council Bluffs, and he is using us, like, to do that. And that, it's, it's absolutely amazing to be a part of that. There are, um, there are people that are in this room that wasn't here, you know, 8, 10, 12 weeks ago when we first started. People are buying in and are wanting to be a part of the mission that God is doing here on the west end of Council Bluffs. Jesus is, um, is affecting people's lives. People are getting baptized. We had a baptism here a few weeks ago, and we've got uh, a couple more that's coming up here whenever we uh, go over to east. Um, uh, city groups are being launched. We've got new city groups that are like just now forming and they're getting ready to be on mission to their, um, their part of the, of the city here on the West End. And you guys know, we've got, we've got people teaching children in another part of the building in our city like kids. People are learning and yes, come on, let's give Jesus a hand. He's, he's doing some stuff. And it's just fun to be a tool in his hand to be able to, uh, to be a part of what he's doing. But I'm, I just want to let you know, see, like, we're just getting started. Like, we are just getting started. We'll, we're 12 weeks into this thing, and we want to be more than a group of people who just gather in a building on Sunday morning. And to be honest, we want to be more than a group of people who uh, gather in houses throughout the week. If, all, if that's all we do, we're missing the boat. We want to be a group of people that share what Jesus has done in us and can tell others what Jesus can do in them, in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, in their schools, all around the West and the Council Bluffs. We want to be more than a group of people that just gather. We want to be a group of people who talk about what Jesus is doing in our lives and be able to encourage people that Jesus can do something in their lives too. I've heard stories this week. That type of stuff is happening. And I've heard stories this week of people helping neighbors repair their cars. Um, There are people in our church that are inviting neighbors into their city group because their neighbors need to be a part of some type of community. I've heard stories of parents and grandparents and friends and neighbors that are actually burdened. They want their children, uh, their brothers and sisters. They want the people that they know, the people that they are in community with. They want them to know the love of Jesus. Part of our mission in planting this church is to multiply disciples, and Jesus is doing that. Jesus is building his church on the west end of Council Bluffs. Now, we are smack dab in the middle of a series um, that comes out of the book of John, uh, where Jesus makes some statements about himself that he doesn't uh, make that aren't recorded anywhere else in Scripture. 
These statements are unique because Jesus, with each one, he is letting us know a little bit more about who he is. He's telling us a little bit more about his character. And what, but what Kenan read for us today, Jesus didn't say, I am anything. He just said, I am. So let's dive in a little bit more to find out what it is that Jesus was saying when he told that crowd, I am. Um, I grew up in uh, Dayton, Ohio. I am an avid uh, Ohio State Buckeye fan. Pause for effect. <laughs> it's not my fault, guys. I was, a, I was a Buckeye fan probably before I was even born. Uh, but in 2011, uh, the, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, it was their inaugural season. Nebraska Cornhuskers. All right. We didn't give Jesus a hand, but we can give the Huskers a hand. Totally kidding, guys. I love you. The, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, they, um, they were uh, they're in their inaugural season into the Big Ten. They had just come from the Big 12 conference, and they moved over into the Big Ten, and they were getting ready to play uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, my team. And, and as I sat down, the Buckeyes were, were highly favored to win that game, and they did not disappoint. I sat down and enjoyed most of the game. Until uh, we, we were leading, it was touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, and we were up uh, in points by 27 to 6. I thought, well, I could probably just shut this thing off and go to bed and it'll, it'll be okay. But man, in, a, in an instant, things shifted. You know, the Buckeyes lost all momentum, and the, the Cornhuskers, they started clicking, and Martinez started throwing touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. And they, the last uh, 20 to 25 minutes of that game, they came back, and the Cornhuskers had the biggest comeback in school history against the Ohio State Buckeyes and won that game 34 to 27. <laughs> I remember sitting there, thinking, what in the world just happened? I was stunned. One minute I'm celebrating, and the next minute I'm confused trying to figure out what in the world happened. This is, that's kind of how I felt as I read John chapter 8. Um, earlier in the chapter, Jesus makes a great statement, and he says, I am the light of the world. Um, and then after he makes that statement, he continues teaching. And people, they, they believe in him. They start um, believing in who he is. And then verse 31 tells us that Jesus began to talk to these people. And in just a matter of minutes, some of the same people who said they believed in him were ready to stone him. Track with me uh, in verse number 30. Now, we don't have, I don't have slides up there. That's my fault. I didn't get them done in time enough to, to be able to make the slides in pro presenter. But if you're on that page there that, uh, that we originally read, there's a pew Bible right in front of you. And what's that page again? Page what? 895. 895. You can look at it in your pew Bible and follow along with me with the, in the story. Okay. Uh, look at verse number 30. 
is that as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, there's some people who believed what he was saying. Now look at verse number 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out from the temple. What happened to this crowd? How did they go from acceptance to rejection? Why did they go from being attracted to him to being offended by him? How did they move uh, from believing that he was the light of the world to such unbelief that they wanted to stone him? How did they go from belief to unbelief? That's what we're going to look at this morning. And we're going to see, um, what we're going to see is people move from belief to unbelief because Jesus isn't what we think we need and he isn't what we really want. Now, this is the opposite of what we want to do, right? We want to identify areas of unbelief in our heart and move from unbelief to belief. But these people move from belief to unbelief because Jesus isn't what they thought they needed and he isn't what they really wanted. So let's get started um, in this, all right? Let's dive in with Jesus isn't what we think we need. Now, We've got to set the stage a little bit for what's going on here. Jesus is in the temple teaching these, um, uh, these people. Like he, he's in this temple court area where everybody had access to. And he's, uh, he's teaching. And not too much before this occurrence happened, um, this lady is brought to Jesus. These religious people catch this lady that is in, uh, got caught in the act of adultery. And they bring her to him and they say, Jesus, this lady was caught in the act of adultery. The law demands that she be stoned. What say you? And that's when Jesus uttered the famous words that we quote often in our life. Um, you who are without sin cast the first stone. And so these people, after they saw that, they started dropping these rocks one by one. And a little bit after that, Jesus utters those famous words, I am the light of the world. Um, Jesus is teaching about who he is, and he says those famous words, I am the light of the world. In verse 31, Jesus is still in the temple, and he's teaching people that have just said, I believe in you, and he makes two promises. Look at verse number 31. He says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now he restates this same promise in verse number 36. And he says, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The second promise that Jesus gives this crowd is, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Jesus, he tells these people two things. If you believe in me, if you abide in my words, if you are truly my disciples, then you can experience freedom. You can experience freedom and you can also have real life, real freedom and eternal life. These two promises, they seem pretty good, don't they? It seems like something that's reasonable, like, yeah, give me some of that. I, 
I want that Jesus. But they didn't think that they needed what Jesus promised. Look at how they responded in verse 33. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? They didn't get it, did they? They didn't get it at all. Like, they didn't even know their history. They weren't aware of the fact that of the 400 years that their entire nation spent in bondage to the group, uh, the people of Egypt. They weren't aware of the times when um, Assyria and Babylon and Persia came in and ransacked their homes, destroyed their place of worship, and then carried them off into exile into a completely different country. These guys didn't even know their history. What are they talking about? How is it that they were saying they were free? And as they were saying these words, they were saying them under the oppression of the Roman, the Roman government who owned them, right? Like they... They had them. So they had no idea uh, where they were. They weren't real. They were under the rule of Rome. They weren't free. They were far from free. But Jesus, as he's talking here, he's not talking about physical oppression or about, yeah, he's not talking about physical oppression. He's letting them and he's letting us know that we are in bondage spiritually. We are slaves to sin. Being a slave to sin means doing or thinking something that goes against God and his character. And being sinful means that our entire being, our mind, our actions, our will, our emotions are, are in rebellion to God. That's what Jesus is telling these people. You are slaves to sin. Being, a, being sinful or a slave to sin means missing the mark of pleasing God. Jesus is telling all humanity that we are slaves to sin, but that he can set us free. I like the way um, there's a translation uh, of the Bible. We normally use the English Standard Version uh, here, and it's in, in the pew in front of you. I love uh, that version, but occasionally I like looking at other different versions just to see how they state it. And I found this version called the Passion Translation. And it says in verse 34, this is how it reads in verse number 34. It says, Jesus said, when you sin, you're not free. You become a slave in bondage to your sin. And slaves have no permanent standing in a family like a son does. For a son is part of a family forever. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and then catch this. And be unquestionably free. These people, they completely miss the boat. They completely miss seeing who Jesus was. They take a step away because Jesus isn't what they thought that they needed. They thought they needed a good teacher, but what they really needed was a savior who would shed his blood for them. They thought they needed um, 
to know more. But what they really needed was to know the person that's standing right in front of them. Jesus, they didn't think that Jesus was what they needed. But Jesus was exactly what they needed. He was more than they needed. When these people found out who Jesus was, they stepped away from Jesus rather than moving toward Jesus. They moved back from him instead of moving toward him. They leaned away instead of turning to. And with each and every step that they turned away, they, they stepped further and further from belief into unbelief. Now, not too long ago, um, a friend of mine and I, we were chatting, and he was struggling with some stuff in his life. Like, the thing that captured his, his heart, or the, the thing that you might say he was a slave to, was stuff. Like, we call that materialism, right? Um, this was the dude that when you walked into his um, tool shed, like, it was like walking into the Home Depot tool section. When I go to borrow tools, it was from this guy. Um, you know, he had all the, he had cool cars. Uh, he had all the, all the fun stuff. The guy dressed to the nines. And he was uh, just, just a sharp dude. But he, he, had, he had a problem. He liked his stuff. And when he needed some satisfaction, you know, we, we all kind of get that feeling sometimes where there's just a, there's a, a sense that we need more. There's a, there's a dissatisfaction with where we are in life. Sometimes it's an anxiety when things enter into our life that we can't control. Sometimes it's a depression that, we, uh, that enter into our life when we lose control. Some people go to, um, you know, alcohol or drugs. Um, some people go to food. <laughs> that's, my, that's my drug of choice. Some people go to um, whatever. This guy went to shopping. <laughs> he went to check out all the all the cool toys. He was a slave to it. He believed that Jesus was the light of the world, but when Jesus said, um, I can give you freedom, he didn't think he needed freedom. When Jesus said, I can give you life, he tried to find life in all of this stuff. Jesus wasn't what he thought he needed. But thank God, people around him saw that and they pointed him to Jesus and now he's taking steps and he's leaning in and he's finding out that true freedom isn't in all that stuff it's in Jesus real life isn't found in things it's found in Jesus now here's where we get a little bit personal alright what about you what are some of the things that you've been struggling with what is it that if we were to play out your thoughts on this screen, people would say, he is a slave to that. Or she is in bondage to that. What is it in your life that you're in bondage to? Maybe it's materialism. Maybe it's uh, popularity. You want to do things so that you can be popular. Maybe it's jealousy. How many of us in this room struggle with thinking the worst about a situation or a person that we have conflict with? 
Um, maybe anger is that problem. What is it that, that you're in, in bondage to? Here's the good news, see, like. Jesus isn't what we think we need. He's more. I like to say it this way, that Jesus is both the ABCs. Like we enter into a relationship with him because we admit that he, uh, that what we, what, that we're sinners. We believe that what he did on the cross, he did for us. And then we confess, we commit our lives to following him. Jesus is the ABCs. He's where it all starts, but he's also the A to Z. Jesus is both, as Patrick said it last week, Jesus is both our savior and our sustainer. Jesus is our ticket to heaven. That's why he suffered. That's why he went to the cross so that he could uh, buy redemption for our lost souls. So he can take us from sin and, and save us. But it doesn't end there. The gospel saves us, but Jesus also died. And then he, he sent and raised from the dead. We can't forget about the resurrection, right? That's, because, that's, that's how we know that he is who he is. It's because he resurrected from the dead. And then he sent us the Holy Spirit. And he said, the Holy Spirit is here to guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit's here to give you what you need. I am more than you need. You're not, I'm not what you think I need. I'm more than what you need. Now, here's a question that we all need to answer this morning. We are confronted with sin. You know, that, that thing that you've been thinking about for the last few minutes that is tripping you up. When we're confronted with our sin, what does it look like for us to move toward Jesus? What does it look like for us to lean in to what that sin is? What does it look like for us to turn to Jesus so that we can be, as the Passion Translation said, unquestionably free? Jesus, city like Jesus, is more than we think we need. Secondly, these people moved from belief to unbelief because Jesus isn't what they really want. Uh, let's pick it up in verse number 49 of John chapter 8. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Jesus promised that if you trust me, if you trust what I'm saying, you will never see death. My words give life. If you trust what I'm saying, you can have real life. What was their response? Hey, I got my fam. <laughs> I got all that I need in my family tree. You don't know who I am. Let's look at it in verse number 52. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died. He's saying, I can give you life. They're saying, we know you have a demon because Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than, the father, than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? These Jews, they were banking on their family tree for life. 
They wanted, they thought that this connection, they thought that this religious system was going to give them eternal life. But here's what they didn't get. This religious system, this connection to their family tree was useless. This connection to the, their family tree was hopeless because they didn't have the same type of faith that Abraham had. Like they were referring to Abraham and saying, hey, we got this connection to dad, therefore we are good to go. But they didn't have the faith that their father Abraham had. They were way off base. Let's look at it in Genesis 15. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 15. Um, the slide would have been really helpful here. <laughs> but uh, Genesis 15. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Now look at the promise, verse number five. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham was an old man and had lots of stuff, wanted to honor God with it. All he wanted was one son. That's it. God took him outside and he said, look at the stars. That's what your heritage is going to be. He made him a promise that he's not only going to have one son, he's going to have tons of heritage, right? There's going to be tons of heirs that he can pass his stuff onto, that he can pass his faith ultimately onto. That's the promise that was given to Abraham. Now, what did Abraham do? Verse number six. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. You see the difference? You see the difference there? Abraham believed God. He trusted God for what God promised him. Abraham, he stepped toward God. But the people here in the temple, they heard the promise that Jesus said, you can be free and you can have life. And what did they do? They said, no. <laughs> they stepped away from him. They didn't want any of that stuff. The promise that Jesus made seemed so completely ridiculous to these people that they started to ask Jesus some questions, but it wasn't questions so that they could learn more. It was questions so that they could be sarcastic, so that they could try to catch him in a particular way. And so they asked him these questions. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Can you, like, it's just dripping with sarcasm. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus, who in the world do you think you are? Have you seen Abraham? They begin to ask him these sarcastic questions, and Jesus does something that he doesn't do very often with his accusers. He answers them directly. And Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I 
when Jesus said those words, he was letting them know that he was greater than Abraham. He didn't have to see Abraham. He was greater than Abraham. He is greater than their family tree. Jesus was saying, I am God. Those two words, when I am, reach all the way back to Exodus chapter 3. And that's where Jesus, where uh, God is talking to Moses. There's a really weird thing. A bush is burning, but yet it's not really being consumed. And God is talking through this bush to Moses. And he's telling Moses, hey, your people, they're in slavery in Egypt, but I'm going to free them up. I'm going to use you to do it. And he says, when, when people ask you who it is that sent you, I want you to let them know I am sent you. That is the very name that God gave himself as he was talking to Moses. I am sent you. Now stick with me here. When Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, he was letting them know is greater than Abraham. He was greater, or is greater than their family tree. Jesus is saying, I am God. That's what Jesus was telling them. Jesus says, I am God, so I can give you real freedom. I am God, so I can give you real life. It doesn't matter if, if your family tree benefits you or if it doesn't benefit you. If you're in this room and you say, I've got a great family heritage, praise God, you can't bank on that. If you're in this room and you say, my family tree is not so good, I don't even, I don't even know who my granddaddy is, that's okay, you, Jesus can set you free. Jesus is greater than your family tree. Jesus is greater than your circumstances. All we need to do is trust that Jesus is God. Jesus can give us freedom and Jesus can give us life because Jesus is God. These people, they wanted a good teacher. But Jesus says, I don't, I'm not going to teach you the law because I wrote it. They wanted someone to stand against injustice. But Jesus stood in their place to satisfy the justice of God. They thought they needed to know more about the Father. But Jesus says, all you need to know about the Father is found in me. Jesus isn't what they wanted. But he is far more than they could ever imagine. Now, City Light, it's easy for us to look at this story and say, ah, oh, I would never. <laughs> or I can't believe they did that. I wouldn't have done that. It's easy for us to look at this story and go to those places. But we do the same things, don't we? We look to Jesus for our comfort. We look to Jesus for our security. And sometimes when those things don't happen, we're like, Jesus wasn't enough. Jesus isn't what I wanted. Jesus is far more than we want. Jesus says, I'm way more than those things. Who Jesus is goes far deeper and involves far more than we ever expect. Jesus doesn't want a piece of us. He wants all of us. Jesus doesn't want a place in our heart. 
He wants our entire heart. Jesus goes after our heart. And it, Jesus is the one that transforms us. City Light, Jesus gives us true freedom. And Jesus gives us real life because of what he did on the cross. He's the only one that can deliver on the promises that he makes. Jesus wasn't, doesn't just want to simply inform us about who he is, but Jesus wants to transform our lives so that we can begin to look more and more and more like him. That's not stuff we can do on our own, right? We, Jesus gives us life. Jesus gives us freedom because of what he did on the cross for us. And we get to remember that week after week. We are going to receive communion this morning. Um, and as we prepare for it, I just, I just want you to remember. I want you to, as, as, as the, the elements are being shared, we usually speak the elements. Like when, when we would do the bread, I miss that, guys. Man, I, I hope that one day we can do that again. But when we, when we take the bread and the bread is torn off of the loaf, that's the, that's the body of Christ that was sacrificed and beaten. His body was torn for our sin. And so that visual picture of the bread being torn reminds us of what Jesus did on the cross, how his body was battered for us. And then the, the, the juice is the blood that reminds us of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for us. And then as we take the, the, the bread and dip it into the juice, um, it tastes pretty good, <laughs> you know? And it reminds us how good forgiveness tastes to us. And so this morning, we don't get the bread, but we get a cracker. <laughs> it's a little salty, but it tastes okay. <laughs> and as we drink the juice, I mean, I just want us to remember that Jesus gives us life and Jesus gives us, gives us freedom, but he did it through the cross. He's more, he is our ABCs. So if you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know if, if I'm a believer or not, you can become a believer this morning. Just admit that what, admit, admit that you're a sinner. Believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you. And then commit your life to following him. And if, if you do that, this communion, it's for you. But if you're here this morning and you're not sure whether or not you want to follow Jesus or whether or not you are a follower of Jesus, just hang out. Just hang out and, and uh, where you are. But this morning, we're going to receive communion. You guys can start, start coming up. And uh, we're going to be reminded of the grace of Jesus through the cup and the bread this morning. Um, and we like, as I mentioned earlier, we like to speak the elements. So um, I'm sorry, we're almost, we're almost there. You guys are ready? You guys are ready. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My instructions must be confusing. <laughs> um, but the, the bread, this is Christ's body broken for you. 
And the blood, this is Christ's blood shed for you. So see like, let's celebrate what Jesus, what Jesus has done for us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for um, your word. We're thankful for how it speaks to us. It's crazy how things turn on a dime like they did here in John 8, but we're, we're grateful that you and your providence have shared that with us today. And so God, I pray, Lord, that as we, as we look to this time, as we look to the bread and as we look to the, the cup, that we would be reminded of your grace, the grace that came through Jesus that gives us real freedom, gives us real life. And Father, may you just uh, bless this time. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening. This podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for gathering with a local body of believers, but as a resource that encourages and empowers you to follow Jesus as your heart is pointed towards the gospel. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org.